Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. Answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, each and every Thursday here at BallQuest.com. And as always, on the BallQuest YouTube page. Please like this video. You know the drill. Subscribe to the channel. channel. Help us grow this channel. Therefore, we can get this video out there in front of uh, more and more Tennessee fans. But as always... Find our work, follow our work through Tennessee and the NCAA tournaments, and much more at VolQuest.com. This VolQuest podcast is brought to you by Exterior Home Solutions. I uh, can't thank them enough for making this possible. For a free estimate, give them a call today at 865-524-5888. That is 865-524-5888 for Exterior Home Solutions, the proud title sponsor of the VolQuest podcast. We've got a lot to get into here today. We're going to kick off with some basketball questions because, of course, Tennessee and Louisiana, it's coming up tonight, the late game, 940 Eastern time, televised on CBS. We've got Grant Ramey and Rob Lewis down on location in Orlando. They're going to be bringing you coverage for Tennessee throughout the NCAA tournament all weekend long, and so you want to stay dialed into the front page of VolQuest.com and on the General's Quarters. Uh, we'll go ahead and get into the questions here. We'll start off with Zeusify. Would you be more surprised if I said the Vol basketball team made it to the Final Four or the Vol baseball team made it to Omaha? Rob, if you want to leave this one off right here. I'll go basketball. Yeah, a thousand percent basketball. Um, I, I don't know. Just winning game after game after game in this tournament is so hard. Winning one game in this tournament is hard enough. Winning two games together the first weekend is hard enough. And then you, you, know, you move on the next week and – for this team, where it's been uh, the last six weeks, the struggles it's had now without Zakai, and obviously, you know, just the way they've been playing, uh, obviously, it's a steep hill to climb. So I would be way more surprised uh, with a Final Four run than, than Omaha, which is, I don't know, Tennessee's the number two team in the country in baseball, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. Number two team in the country, top four team, and all the 17 different polls there are. And, you know, it, it's it's difficult to obviously do either, but Tennessee does have pitching. So I would, I would side with uh, Tennessee baseball right now, but – uh, that that's a good question from Zeusify. We'll go to Athron. Yeah, where does Rick Barnes go to find another point guard, a true point guard for this team next year? I mean, I, I think they'll be looking for portal help, um, point guard wise. But um, if not, I mean, obviously Zakai's rehab is going to be a huge, huge deal. You hope that BJ Edwards has a great summer. And I would just, you know, people that are ready to write, write off BJ Edwards, I, I would just ask you, you know, what what was Jemai Meshack doing for this program, you know, a year ago? I mean, you know, I'm not saying DJ is going to do that, but I mean, to make a beat between your freshman and sophomore year is not just some, you know, astronomical feat. I mean, it happens all the time, and it happens a lot in this program. So, but I, I mean, I think they'll look, they'll kick the tires on some guys in the portal, 100. But um, you got Zakai, obviously. You hope he gets well. Freddie Dillion can, can handle the ball. I mean, he's he is definitely not a pure guard, but the times that I have seen him play, 
um, you know, in, in the summer with his travel team. He's been, he's always been his team's primary ball handler. He's very comfortable in that role, so he can do some of that for you. I, I, and I don't think you want to ask him to do that full time as a freshman. But I would think between right now, it's him, it's, it's Zakai, BJ, and and Freddie as your primary ball handlers. And I think they'll look for, like I said, a transfer. But I wouldn't just guarantee they're going to bring in a, a transfer point. Grant, would you add anything different? No, I think portal's the emphasis. I mean, yeah, I agree with what Rob said. B.J. Edwards is a freshman. He'll probably be fine. He's going to, you know, he's looked like a freshman a lot this season. That's just part of it. Some guys are a little bit slower than others in terms of how rapidly they, you know, ascend and, and make an impact. Um, if he sticks around, I'm sure he'll be fine moving forward. Um, but, yeah, you need something out of the portal. I mean, Zakai, you, you, like Rob said, you hope he's healthy. Come October, November, he's ready to go. Uh, but at the same time, even if he is healthy, you still need somebody else. And I think you also go to Santi and, you know, make sure he's 100% gone or coming back. If he's coming back, you know, you have that conversation as well. If he's legitimately thinking about that or not, kick those tires uh, and then go to the portal and see what you can find. This is something we discussed on, on Tuesday's podcast and a little bit earlier this week. Grant, I want to start with you here. CN31, am I crazy for hoping Duke is our second-round matchup over Oral Roberts? Or seems like it would be a Cinderella-type you know, beating a Barnes team if, if, if it's Oral Roberts. Duke would be the type of matchup that motivates our guys, especially with everyone picking Duke to win. For sure, and and you just look at you know what this what this program's ran up against since 2018 an 11 seed, uh, a 12 seed, an 11 seed in terms of uh, getting eliminated in the silver tournament with Loyola, then Oregon State in the COVID bubble, uh, and then Michigan a year ago. So yeah, there's something about those higher seeds, double digit seeds that for whatever reason have given Tennessee troubles. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know Duke and Oral Roberts if there's a good answer there. I think both teams would be extremely tough, and it's hard to win the second day of the tournament. Um, but I don't think it's crazy for people to say they would be comfortable with Duke just as much as they would be Oral Roberts because, you know, Duke has been very human this season at times. Yeah, and, and I would just add, I don't – Grant, the, the impression I got today from talking to guys, especially in the locker room off the podium, was that they, they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder. I mean, they feel, you know, keep the, they've seen everybody, you know, pick, you know, pick them as, as a popular upset pick. They, they know they didn't finish strong. Um and, and Jemai Meshack can, can be, I mean, used the phrase today, you know, we feel like we're underdogs. We feel like we have a lot to prove. We feel like, you know, Zakai got hurt, but we struggled down the stretch in February. People have kind of have written us off a little bit. So I, I don't think that they will have a problem getting up for Oral Roberts if that's who they, if, if they win Thursday and that's who they play Saturday. And I, I think you want that. I mean, this team, you know, you're better off going into this tournament being doubted and, and you know, Seth Davis saying Louisiana is going to advance, you know, 10 minutes after the bracket was released Sunday evening. I mean, obviously that probably got some people's attention because they were watching the selection show just like everybody else was. I think you want that pressure-free. Everybody's written you off. Nobody expects you to do anything instead of going in this tournament, fresh off the SEC tournament title, and, you know, you're 15-2 and over your last 17 like they were last year. I would rather have that underdog chip on the shoulder. Nobody believes in us. Nobody thinks we can do anything. Nobody thinks we can advance because when the pressure's off, you just go out and play ball. Let's go to iHeart Vols. If you could pick one current player to return for one more season, who would it be between Josiah, Santi, or Julian? He goes on to say, uh, mine would be Julian with full offseason in the program. I believe he could be special, whereas Santi and Josiah maybe have hit their ceilings. Rob Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question. I mean, I'd, I'd have to think about it, but I would probably go Julian. I would just because I think with his talent, if, if he really did have a full off season, you know, was really going into year number two, I think he could be a monster. 
next year. But I, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. I, I think I think Rick Barnes will welcome anybody, any of that trio back with open arms. I mean, if this is Santi's ceiling, it's a pretty good ceiling. And I, I would want that ceiling uh, for another full season. Uh, I think he's played really well the last three, four weeks, however long it's been, that he's been shooting a little bit better than he was earlier in the season. I think I would take him back. Like, yeah, you're right, Julian would be a monster if they could get him to aggressively attack consistently. And he had another year in the program. He was another year older, uh, more experienced, stronger, all that stuff. Uh, but at the same time, you need shooting on next year's team. You need a guy like we were just talking about that can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, they would be looking for that portal point guard that could help them. I think if you could get Santi, that would be a really good option because he's shot it really well this season. Uh, the last few weeks, he shot it. You know, he made 102 threes last year. So, and, and nobody else has done that except Chris Lofton. So, if you could get that kind of player back, I would go with him. Well, let's go to Sam Smith. Assuming Tennessee gets by the Raging Cajuns, what are some of those potential matchup problems? with Duke and Oral Roberts. Grant, I know we've, again, we've kind of talked about this a little bit this week, but individually, to your knowledge, some of those matches where Tennessee might might be on the losing end if playing Duke or if playing Oral Roberts. I mean, you're going from a Jordan Brown with Louisiana, the guy that everybody's been talking about for the last few weeks, to Kyle Flipkowski with Duke. And, and, you know, he's got similar numbers and he's been playing just as well as anybody in the country the last few weeks to, to kind of lift Duke up from what we've seen earlier in the year. And then Oral Roberts, everybody talks about Max Avis. I mean, this is a... This is a guards game, especially this time of year. This is where guards take over. Uh, he's been here before, like we've talked about this week. He's done it before. He's led a 15 seed Oral Roberts um, to the Sweet 16. Now they're a 12, but they're 30-something wins, 31-3, and three, whatever it is. Uh, also, they have Connor Vanover, the kid from Arkansas, who I saw on the court today is just insanely tall human being. It doesn't make sense that you could be that tall. Um, so – I think Max and, and Kyle are the two guys that you look at most for first and foremost because if, if Oral Roberts does beat Duke and they get the second round, they're going to be more confident than they've ever, ever been because they just went through Duke to get there. Uh, and if Duke is the, the next team you're playing, obviously their confidence is pretty high because they've been playing so well. One just come off, uh, coming off an ACC tournament title. Guys, you're down there in Orlando. Of course, game time's coming up tonight. It's uh, 940. Uh, media coverage. You've seen some practice. Uh, Rob, any big takeaways from the balls down in Orlando here before tip-off tonight? Uh, no, just what I mentioned a minute ago. I mean, they seem like they are here with something to prove. I mean, they're not, they're not cocky. They're not uh, – it does not remotely feel like they're taking Louisiana for granted. Um, I just – you know, I feel like these guys are hungry. I feel like they, you know, don't feel like they finished the season strong. Um, they, you know, they don't feel like they've represented they, – they don't feel like they put the best version of themselves out there, I, I don't think, for several weeks. And I, I, I think they're ready to seize a chance to kind of rewrite the narrative of, of how fans are going to remember this year. Now, whether they do that or not remains to be seen. But mindset-wise, mentality-wise, you know, I, I think the guys are really focused. And I, and I kind of like, you know, their, their mindset as they head into this. And, then, and Rick has said it a couple times, you know, this is the restart button. This is kind of where you wipe the slate clean and, and whatever you can do from here. It doesn't matter what you did to get here. It matters about what you do to stay alive in this thing. And Rick's talked about confidence and Rick's talked a couple times about you don't really want to change anything this time of year and send that bad signal to your team. You want to do basically what you've done to get yourself here. I think this is been the number one ranked defense in college basketball for almost three months, over three months. I think they're number two now, but you can play good defense. They can hit shots. They've hit shots the last few games. They've scored enough to win it uh, in the last few games now. Just get back to playing defense and, and getting enough stops to, to stay alive in this thing. Grant Ramey and Rob Lewis down in Orlando, Florida, covering Tennessee in the uh, first two rounds of the NCAA tournament tonight. 
Uh, they'll be the four seed and 13th seed going out at Tennessee, Louisiana on CBS 940 tip. If Tennessee were to win, it will advance on to play either Duke or Oral Roberts on Saturday. We got all the coverage for Tennessee basketball at VolQuest.com. Stay up to date. They've got plenty of coverage there, and we'll have the Craven Wings full court press, four quick takes, everything Rick Barnes said, all that and more. That's on the website tonight at VolQuest.com. All right, guys, we're talking basketball, March Madness here on the VolQuest podcast. We know Tennessee's in action later tonight. Start brewing up that coffee, am I right? But March Madness, it's officially begun, and it's time for you to shoot your shot and score big with the nonstop action over at MyBookie. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting on an eventual national championship winner, or simply looking for player props or game props, MyBookie has you covered. Getting started with MyBookie is super easy. Visit the website online, make your first deposit, and use the promo code VOLQUEST to claim exclusive deposit bonus. That's VOLQUEST, V-O-L-Q-U-E-S-T, VOLQUEST, to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposit. With hundreds of thousands in prizes for March Madness and weekly blackjack tournaments, you can turn your game day into payday. Over at MyBookie, bet anything, anytime, anywhere, with my bookie. So but special thanks to my bookie. And of course, as always, a special thanks to the title sponsor of the Ball Quest podcast. That is Exterior Home Solutions. All right, let's talk some football spring practice. Let's talk some recruiting here on the second part of the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast. Appreciate you guys as always for being here. Uh, shout out Exterior Home Solutions. Shout out all you guys. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube and always check out the coverage at VolQuest.com. $29.99. You can be a member of our family on the General's Quarters and uh, the best content out there for Tennessee athletics. That is VolQuest.com. Matt Ray, let's go ahead and get started here. Let's talk a little football with spring practice beginning uh, next week. Awesome Price and uh, Awesome Price and uh, and uh, Brent Hubs. Yeah, I can't forget that guy. Uh, we'll be back on the podcast and be back from vacation next week. But we'll go to Football Fan 09. Is Squirrel White capable of doing what Hyatt did last year? 1,000 yards, 10-plus touchdowns. Basically, in our opinion, how does Squirrel's talent level compare to Hyatt's or even Valus Jones? Matt, if you want to you want to start here. 1,000 yards and 10-plus touchdowns, that's a chore for anybody. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, this Tennessee offense is receiver-friendly, and, and they're going to get, you know, Squirrel in favorable mismatches and, and allow him to, you know – have the chance to do that. Um, do I think he does that? I think a thousand yards is maybe possible. I don't know about ten touchdowns. That's that's the that's the number for me. A thousand yards, yeah. possible. Ten touchdowns. That's so tough to do. And you look at what Jalen Hunt did this past season. It, it phenomenal. But he put, he put up five in one game. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that. You know. But I mean, Squirrel White talent level wise, I think he does a lot of things well. He's continued to you know mature his body. Um, I think he's different in skill set from both of those guys. I think the quick twitch that he has and the short area of quickness is something that sets him apart. They they all have something that they do different. They're all fast, and you know, that speed pops right away. But I think they're all different in that you know aspect. Valus Jones is fast, but he's got the ability to break more tackles than the other two. Jalen Hunt's long speed. You know, I think is something that sets him apart. And then Squirrel White, I think, again, go back to that short area of quickness, what he can do stemming off routes and working on different stacks. I think they all line up and have a chance to be very successful along the rest of their careers, you know, high and Bayless in the pros and, and Squirrel working through his time at Tennessee. But I don't know how you can really compare the three of them because they are different in a lot of ways, even though they'll get used similarly in Tennessee's offense. 
It's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, they're all fast, but I mean, they're all different players. Uh, Valus, as you pointed out, he he's a running back and a he's a running back's body with wide receiver speed, right? Yeah. And and he, and he can fly, and so they could they could use him in the screen game and in the tunnels and and the bubbles, and they could you know do you know five yard ins and outs and slants and stuff, and and allow him to catch underneath and go break some tackles. Uh, you know, Jalen Hyatt was let's let's beat you over the top, and and I think he can do more than what he did at Tennessee, but. I mean, hell, it works so well, right? <laughs> just keep throwing yeah. it to him. And, and Squirrel, I think, is is just kind of unique in his own right. He's super, as you pointed out, quick twitch. He's fast, of course. Uh, his toughness is unparalleled, I believe. And I think that's something that's going to continue to get him tested throughout his career because, again, he is so small. But um, I'll say this. When you work with that slot and that wide receiver to the top, you know, Valus and Cedric, um, you know, Jalen Hyatt and uh, Brew McCoy and or Ramel Keaton this past year, good things are going to happen. And so there, there will be, in my opinion, a 1,000 yard receiver for Tennessee this year. I don't know if it's Brew. I don't know if it's going to be Thornton, Ramel Keaton. I don't know if it's going to be Squirrel White, but uh, there's been two in two years. So I'll go ahead and, and bet some money that it's going to happen again in 2023. Let's go to Bassmaster. Who was the best player in the state of Tennessee for the class of 2024? Do we think we sweep our top targets in state, Matt Ray? Uh, man, I, you know, we've talked about that on the board for a little while now, who who the top three guys are. And it's so hard to to pick and choose between this this group of guys right now. Um, because I mean when you look at what they did in their junior season, you don't want to you don't want to leave somebody out. Caleb Beasley, a phenomenal junior season. Edwin Spillman, I thought he had a really good junior season. Uh, both those guys have a spot in the conversation. Boo Carter. Again, everything he put on tape on Friday night, he's in the conversation. Marcus Gorey, who I felt for the longest time was the the forgotten guy in the state, is continue to see his rankings rise. And then Amari Jefferson, it's a guy, he's the guy that nobody can get enough of right now. Everybody's recruiting Amari Jefferson hard. Kamaro Brown's hanging around. I, I think at the end of the day, if I'm picking one, and I don't think I could do it fairly, I think right now for me, I'd take Amari Jefferson. Um, okay. I think I think he did a lot of things really well. I think uh, it's it's so tough. I'm it's so tough to pick between that core group of guys: uh, Caleb Beasley, Amari Jefferson, Marcus Gorey are all right there, neck and neck for me, in my opinion. But then you don't want to slot the other guys either. Um, they they did a lot of things well, but Amari Jefferson. Um, did so many things well, continuing to develop his game, did it at the highest level possible in the state. So, you know, I think that probably carries some weight if you're just trying to pick, um, you know, help Baylor to a state championship. So a lot of things working in his favor, but a lot of things working in all those guys' favor. And, and then as far as cleaning up on the top targets, Tennessee is, you know, they're in good shape with, with all those guys, you know, that I've mentioned so far. Uh, Ronan O'Connell, an in-state guy that Tennessee – continuing to work, Jesse Perry, another guy. So, I mean, Tennessee's in a good spot in-state right now. It's a good in-state crop, and the Vols are doing a good job there. You know, we'll see if they clean up, if they clean sweep, what happens. Some guys tend to surprise you. I've been surprised in-state when guys leave. I've been surprised when guys leave the state of North Carolina or guys leave the state of Georgia. It it just happens. But, I mean, Tennessee's in a good spot with those guys right now. And, again, a name that – it may, maybe I, I miss you say it, but a name that's been around for a long, long time that I think we forget about just because we think it's a slam dunk. Tennessee's still in great position with him, but Edwin Spillman. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Tennessee's still in great, you know, position with Edwin Spillman, but he's a guy that he's maintained for a little while, you know, that he's he, he wants to see some plays. It kind of yeah. reminds me of Caleb Herring. Last go around, Caleb Herring checked a couple of places off of his box. Um, this last weekend was pylon in Atlanta. Um, and this time last year, Caleb got that um, offer from Georgia. So, you know, added a little bit more leading into his commitment. I, th- I think, you know, Florida State's really trying to get Edwin Spillman to pause and take a deeper look at them. Ohio State's still a school that I think he'll check out. So we'll see what comes of that. But you know, Tennessee's still in a great spot there. All right, I'm going to answer the second part of Sam Smith's question. He had a he had a basketball question earlier in the show, but wants to know about uh, baseball. Missouri starting pitching isn't great. Uh, ERAs are not terrible, though. Uh, but the bullpen has been pretty good um, with the ERA. What are some things you're most looking forward to and seeing on SEC opening weekend? Yeah, I mean, from a Tennessee perspective, of course, you want to see uh, my biggest thing, and this is stuff I've talked about and stuff I've written, written about a little bit. I want to see what those bullpen arms look like, you know, series in, series out in SEC play. To this point, I... I spoke. I'll speak a little bit more about this on the Porch Podcast. By the way, if you haven't checked that out, you're a Tennessee baseball fan and you're a fan of Luke Lipsius. Check out the Porch every Thursday here at VolQuest.com. Uh, Luke is fantastic. But anyway, a little little shameless plug there. Um, <laughs> I, I want to see. You know, for the longest time, it's just been got to get this guy working, got to get this guy working, got to get this guy working. Okay. Um, and you've been challenged a few times, but you know, for the most part, non-conferences, just that you're going to be challenged every single weekend now. And so which arms are you going to put in position to go and help you win games? And I'm so intrigued to see, you know, where Camden is, uh, you know, made a season debut that being Camden Sewell, where he is this weekend. Uh, we know what Kirby Connell is going to give you. Seth Halverson can do so many different things. Same with Andrew Lindsay. Um, there's a couple guys I'm even, I'm even missing out right now. So I'm intrigued to see that bullpen Of course, intrigued to see, uh, Drawling and, and, and tears if they stay in the lineup. Boy, it sounded like on, on Tuesday night that Tony Vitello was saying, hey, Drawling's going to be in that lineup some way. You know, I feel like he's a, a bat that needs to be in there more than not. And so I think both those guys deserve to continue to hit in this lineup. And again, it all started when Matt Ray covered the team last Friday. So you have him to thank for that. Yeah, my, uh, I'll tell you what else started working last Friday. Maui's bat. Yeah. My goodness, it's red hot right now. Four home runs since Friday night, man. Yeah. He's uh, already 17 RBIs on the season. He's going to be just fine. I'll tell it's you that. Continued, the, the trend has continued since I stopped coverage, though. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to roll with that. <laughs> Let's go to Nashville 615. Question on the offensive line development. Is it a better strategy to backfill from the transfer portal every year than unknowns from high school? We'll probably be starting three transfers, and none of the project or O-line recruits seem to have a ton of promise. Um, again, Matt, I feel like transfer portal for the offensive line for any position is 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 a plug and and gap, like go and help supplement and everything. But man, you want to you want to evaluate right. You want to get those guys on campus, and the offensive line in particular, they're not all Darnell Wrights and Wanya Morris's. You got to you got to strength, conditioning, nutrition to get them where they need to be. And, and sometimes it's a couple year project. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I think when you look even at the transfer portal, and you touched on it right there, tra- uh, the ability to get them on campus and evaluate, there were some guys, you know, this cycle around that Tennessee didn't push for from the transfer portal that I think people thought that they might if you were on the outside looking in. And it's trust in that evaluation, right? And, you know, I think it's the same thing with the high school kids. Uh, I mean, I think if you look at Brian Grant, for example, you know, when, when you talk more of a guy that's a project coming in, you know, one year of football, um, basketball background, very athletic, 
Um, but when he came to campus, he looked more like a defensive end than an offensive mm-hmm. tackle. I mean, he started to fill out, but I, I don't think Tennessee expected that to be a, a one-year turnaround. You know, he's a guy that I think you get to year two, and if you need him in a pinch, maybe you can rely on him in a pinch. And then year three, you hope you're starting to see more of that refined product. So I think right now for Tennessee, yeah, you you do hope that you've had success with these transfer portal guys. Um, you know, but again, I, I think Glenn Ellerby's done a, a pretty good job there and doesn't get quite enough credit over time. I mean, when, when Tennessee offered Jeremiah Crawford and, and then took him, I don't think anybody thought he would give you the reps that he gave you last year. And he was valuable to Tennessee down the stretch. Um, you know, Gerald Mincy, obviously that worked out for Tennessee when he was healthy. He he was pretty productive. And we'll see what they get from Andrich Keurig and um, John Campbell this fall. But there's a chance that those guys are big-time contributors. And, you know, there's a chance that you're going to see guys that, you know, enter that transfer portal that pass these high school guys up no matter what the development is. I mean, you look at John Campbell, who had him leaving Miami? He was a starter. And I mean, he was a starter and they, they have a, you know, everything in place that you would think that he would be looking for there. Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal, both of those guys are fantastic developers, but a chance to come to the SEC and play, you know, winning football, I think was important to him and his process. So you're able to land a guy like that. that I don't, you know, maybe that's not always going to be there. But, you know, in Tennessee circumstances, I think they've been able to fill, you know, some of those gaps. Like you said, in the transfer portal, is it always going to work? Probably not. And I think that's one of those things that you have to rely on development on with guys like Brian Grant. Let's go to Athron. Got a couple questions here. Seeing a lot of interest from uh, some articles lately, some, uh, some of the stuff we publish, UNAP, about – um, tight ends, uh, early opinions on Elm, at least uh, being able to keep the attention of these this ties with uh, with Golish leaving. Yeah, you know, I think I think Tennessee is cast a little bit wider net at that position. We've talked about that a good bit, a lot of positions actually. But at tight end, you know, that first you know couple of days, Alec Avon was was able to get on the phone and you know have genuine conversations. Guys, say you know, look, this is where I'm at. We're taking over. This is what I'm bringing to the position. And I think that's resonated with some guys. You know, I think they have the attention of Dylan Hip. I think they have still have the attention of Jaden Rodale. He's going to be here April 1st. His seven on seven team is going to be out here. He's going to, you know, see campus on April 1st. Um, you've got Caleb Oden, Caleb Odom, who's set to be here later in March or the 1st of April. Um, you've still got Jonathan Eccles committed. You know, that's, We'll see where that goes, but right now Jonathan Eccles is still committed to Tennessee. That Tennessee is casting a wider net at that position, and I think again, you know, one of the things working for Alec Ablin is the relatability. He's a younger guy. We saw it with Kelsey Pope. He he was a younger guy, high energy, related inside of you know Josh Heupel's system and program, and understands the message that they've been selling recruits and, and seeing guys ahead of him be successful in doing so. So I think it is kind of a seamless transition. Obviously, there's unknowns there, but I think Alec Ablin has the interest of a lot of guys at that position right now. It is such an important position in Tennessee's offense. We know that, and Tennessee is so thin right now. Uh, that's something that it will have to continue to to look at the transfer portal with this new window and, and of course, next year as well, as well as – you know, recruiting guys out of high school. Um, Atheron also wants to know, think it is one versus two when UT meets LSU in baseball. Whew, 
it's a good chance I'll say Tennessee's got the easier path if you want to call it that to the LSU series uh, that's going to be at LSU March 30th 31st and then April 1st uh, Tennessee of course is at Missouri a very winnable series for Tennessee this weekend we'll be back home to take on Texas A&M that will be a challenge a ranked ball club LSU has Texas A&M in College Station this weekend and then at home against Arkansas before Tennessee. You talk about that stretch, a series against A&M, series against Arkansas, and then a series against Tennessee, your first three weekend series of the season. That is tough for LSU, but they're good. I think Tennessee's good. We'll find out how good in SEC play, but I think there's a really good chance that could be one versus two here in a couple of weeks. And then lastly here, I've uh, seen, lastly from Athron, said I've seen comments throughout his recruitment that Nico is slight of frame and such. I've also seen... You mentioned, I don't know if you talking about you or AP, uh, that he is bigger than people think. What is the optimal weight the coaches would like to see him at? Matt, he's a guy that is tall, but boy, there is a lot. His frame allows him to put on some good weight, and, and he will. Yeah, I think he will. I don't know what that optimal number is. Um, you know, I didn't even ask anybody what that would be. Um, but, I mean, I think if you look at some of the recent photos that he's posted and everything like that, and we'll see him again you know, on Monday – and have, have a chance to get a look at him and see where he's at. I think he's already put on some weight. You can see it in his lower half. Um, you know, he's a guy – he is bigger than I think people give him credit for. I mean, when he when, when you get up next to him, he he is bigger than he looks. You know, he's, yeah. he's obviously got room to fill out. I mean, he looks he looks skinnier than he is, and he needs to add weight. I'm not, say, I'm not suggesting that, but I think he is very capable – of doing so for me i would say eric i'd say 225 230 yeah i think so too again he's a tall guy and he's yeah. super thin right now but as you pointed out looks like he's already taken advantage of uh, some of that being on campus here this first semester um but he's got a lot of room and, and tennessee's going to try to put it on him for sure uh vol fanatic wants to know the bigger impact i guess in 2023 um didn't specify we'll say for 2023 Joshua Josephs or Caleb Herring. If it's 2023, I guess you can make it your own because it didn't specify. If it's 2023, I think it's a slam dunk. It'll be Joshua Josephs. We've been asked before, you know, who's going to have the bigger impact next year, Josephs or Pierce. That's a good discussion. Pierce is having a good winter workout session. Be a big spring for him. But in terms of Josephs and Herring for next season, you know, everything's going to be new for Herring. Josephs played last year, of course, and, and and that's fine. You can do it as a true freshman, but. Um, I think a year in the system, a little bit more polished. I would go Josephs in that regard. Yeah, I mean, if you're going, if you're going 2023, if you're going 2023, it's definitely Josephs. I think that's probably a slam dunk. Mm -hmm. But you know, overall, I'm very intrigued with with Caleb Perry. He is so long and so naturally bendy, and can do some things in pass coverage that I don't know. I don't know that Josephs is as fluid probably in pass coverage. Not that either one of those guys are going to be dropping back into coverage a ton, but when you can throw that six-foot-five, six-foot-six guy back there with that wingspan, boy, you can disrupt some things. You know, we've seen it over the years in SEC play. So, I mean, I'm interested to see the development of Caleb Herring inside the program, but this year, Josh Josephs. Yeah, and and a note on Joseph. I mean, you remember this covering him in high school and his recruitment and everything. I believe it was his junior year where he played. I, I think, and again, correct me if I'm Where's wrong. They might have switched up their defense a little bit. I believe his junior year he played a traditional outside linebacker on a four three, and he was out of the box a ton. So, yeah. again, he's got experience doing that. But you know, in the Leo position, you're going to do a ton at Tennessee, but you will do it some. I got two more here. Let's go to Greenville SC Vol. Um, Clemson seems to be copying our past pace, 
our past pace style of offense since they will be in the new system. How long will it take them to perfect it like we do? Hype's been doing this for a while. Um, I don't think that they're going to do exactly what Josh Heupel's doing. I don't think anybody in the country nope. is doing exactly what Josh Heupel's doing. Of course, you know, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss has run a variation of it. Jeff Levy's done it. Of course, that's, you know, from the Heupel tree. I don't think Clemson or anybody is doing exactly what Tennessee's doing. Um, but in terms of pace and the play, you're seeing some teams, Clemson included, speeding some things up here as we venture on into this new age of football where offense is dominating. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. I mean, like, like you mentioned, oh, some folks are doing it. And tempo's been a thing for a while now. I mean, no. when you look at it. But to this extent, what Tennessee does with tempo, the ability to call those plays in seamlessly, what Josh Heupel does from from down to down. If you're ever down on the field or, you know, take a, take a three-play window for Tennessee that not resulting in touches and watch Josh Heupel. And how interesting. I think that's so interesting. And not that the other head coaches aren't doing that, but he does a lot from snap to snap, counting off, doing different things. Their signaling system, I think, is unique. And then the spacing of their offense to be able to space as efficiently and effectively mm-hmm. as they do and move formations and give defense a different looks at that pace. I don't think anybody can replicate it right now. Will they be able to over time? Maybe. But right now it's pretty tough. And there's, I mean, Ole Miss, Lane, Lane's offense is efficient. You know, um, Lincoln Riley, they don't go quite, they don't go nearly as fast out there, but they do play at a tempo and they do things efficiently. But it, it's tough to do what Tennessee does. And, you know, I, th- I go back to Josh Hopple's opening press conference. I was always pretty amazed that he felt like they would go into, you know, the summer with that offense installed after watching it at UCF, I was just always like, there's no way, there's no way. But I mean, they were, they were able to, they, they came out efficiently and, and were able to do that. And I think it's continued to evolve over time. Yeah. Just learning things in that first spring practice. Like I remember um, doing sitting in some media availabilities and I forgot who said it, but just simple things like in this offense, when, when a receiver catches a football, you get up, you sprint and you give it to the, to the line judge or to the, to the official who spots the ball and then you get your butt back in gear, like yeah. just learning that type of stuff coming from a more traditional pro style offense to this offense just takes some time. But yeah, you don't, you don't throw the ball because he might drop it, yeah. you, you know, and like you're losing, <laughs> you're losing time. If that happens, that's all. Yeah. But I thought Josh Heupel's offense didn't run the football again. That's the biggest misconception in all of college football, yeah. in my opinion. Also yeah. you pointed out the splits, the splits are the, the thing that gets this, this offense going. And, when we, when we talked with Jalen High in the replay a couple weeks ago, he was kind of talking about that as well. The splits are everything, as are the tight ends, and a quarterback that can process information. Not everybody's got a Hendon Hooker. Yeah. You know, Hendon Hooker made this thing go. We'll see if Joe Milton, you know, what his variation of it is next season. Uh, last thing we got here on the mailbag, and this is a recruiting question. It's kind of a loaded one, coins involved, but uh, Matt, uh, we'll see if we can blow through and give like the, the top target uncommitted anywhere. Um, who's our true number one targets at their respective positions? Um, just kind of, just kind of go through work this that Tennessee's trying to get from each, each position group. Uh, right now, quarterback Jake Merklinger, um, running back. If you're going true top, Jarrett Gibson. Um, I think he's the top of that board. Um, you're, you're battling for so many other guys that you're in on that. God, it's just hard to give that true top because I don't yeah. want really to feel like I'm slotting Peyton Lewis, Braylon Russell, those type of guys. Um, wide receiver, my goodness. <laughs> Ron Wingo and others. Ron Wingo, Mike Matthew and others. 
Um, tight end, you've got Jonathan Eccles committed, Jaden Riddell. Um, offensive line, I, I couldn't give you a true top there right now. I think those guys are are interchangeable. Defensive line, Camarion Cam- Franklin, Williams, you know, Winery. Um, at the edge, there's again, those guys are interchangeable. Uh, multiple guys come to mind there. Um, defensive back, you've already got a, a bulk of those guys committed, still involved with, with Iffy, Idris Farouk, um, obviously the, the uncommitted guys, um, you know, Boo Carter, um, linebacker, Edwin Spillman, Sammy Brown, um, Peyton Pierce, uh, those type of guys are guys you want to get, you know, back to campus as much as you can. Who, what, what positions am I leaving out here? Man, that's a lot. No, I mean, you kind of went through it a little bit. Um, I mean, I can probably highlight some more in list form for you if you send me a DM and I'll, I'll highlight some more. It's tough just going to try to go yeah. through each one because I think a lot of these guys right now, you're still in the evaluation process. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys are – if they called Tennessee today and said, hey, I want in, I think they could get in. Yeah, and again, a lot of these priorities in terms of, you know, one, two, three at each position can change over the course yeah. of a couple of months too. That's part of yeah, that. Yeah, I think, I think running back is a position that's going to change. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all part of that evaluation period. How about that? Just blowing through that question, Matt. How, you're, you're good at what you do, brother. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in here to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. A lot of good questions this week. Uh, Tennessee recruiting never stops. Spring practice starts on Monday. Going to have full coverage, VolQuest.com. We've done a great job of, uh, you know, Brett and Austin putting out a lot of content this week of uh, kind of getting you ready, position previews, newcomers, returners to watch, all that type of stuff. And, of course, Tennessee basketball in the NCAA tournament. Get your coffee ready. Late tip-off tonight, 940 Eastern time on CBS. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's uh, Tennessee, the fourth seed against Louisiana, the 13th seed. The winner will take on either the fifth seed, Duke, or the 12th seed, Oral Roberts. So uh, plenty of coverage on the front page today, all throughout the night, uh, you know, talking about Tennessee basketball and Whatever happens against Louisiana. For Matt Ray, Grant Ramey, Rob Lewis, I am Mary Kane. A major thank you, as always, to Exterior Home Solutions, who make this coverage possible. Free estimate. Go ahead and give them a call today, 865-524-5888. That is 865-524-5888. If you need anything done for your home, siding, roof, windows, whatever it can be, Exterior Home Solutions is the place for you. Guys, I appreciate it. We'll be back next week for another rendition of the BallQuest podcast right here at BallQuest.com. You've been listening to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on BallQuest.